we're in a series called What is Church? The word church, what, what is conjured up in your mind when you hear the word church? You know, for some of us, when we hear the word church, we get excited. We think, yeah, that's my family. Those are my peeps. You know, we think, oh, that's my tribe. But for some people, the word church has really negative connotations. For some people, church means a place where they were devastated and hurt and betrayed, perhaps. But we're talking about what is church? What is church supposed to be? You know, here at The Adventure, we're pretty simple folk. We believe that we are called to love God and to love people. That's what we're called to do. And there's a way that we believe that you can do that, and it's through growing your life, growing your personal relationship with Jesus. You know, Jason and Sarah both talked about growing in, in their walk with the Lord, growing in their knowledge of him, but not just knowing about him, but actually knowing him. And that's the distinction. We don't want to just know about God. We want to know him. And Jesus actually said, as Mary sat at his feet, Jesus said, there's only one thing that's needed, and that's to know me. Isn't that awesome? To know the king of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth who came down in human form, to have a relationship with him. Because a relationship with Jesus is always about your blessing. God is a God who longs to bless. And so it's so important that we grow our lives. But then secondly, what I'm going to talk about today is the second aspect of this, and that is impacting our world. There's so many passages in the Bible that, where we are called to, to make an impact. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, if Jesus didn't want us to impact our world, he would have, he would have saved us and taken us right to heaven. But there's a reason that he left us here. And that's because he has created each and every one of you with purpose. Can you nudge the person next to you and say, you were created for purpose? Can you turn and say, you were gifted on purpose? Encourage yourself if you're alone. (laughs) But we are called to make an impact. We're not just called to just survive, to just get through. I think during the coronavirus, I think a lot of us are wondering, like, why, why is this happening? Anybody? Anybody wondering, why is this happening? I personally believe Jesus is doing a deep work in each and every one of us. I think, he, I think he's separating the sheep from the goats. I think he's finding out who are the ones who will truly seek him. I was telling them this morning, I, was, I said, I'm going to be walking back and forth on the stage because I'm going to be talking about how, how the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those whose hearts are wholly his, who are completely his. And today, I want to talk to you about not only making sure that your heart is completely his, because any other life will be unfulfilled. You cannot live on the fence. 
Either you are for him or you are against him. There's no gray. You're, you're not like, oh, I'm just trying to decide. Either you are for him or you are against him. And, and Jesus wants us to be for him because he wants to. It, there are so many passages, passages that talk about him pouring out blessings on us. You know, and that's what he wants to do. And part of the way that he blesses us is through giving us partnership with him in seeing his kingdom expanded. That's why he leaves us here. So I want to I ask you this. When Jesus, after Jesus was raised from the dead, which is a fact, he was raised from the dead. It is, it is unarguable. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again from the dead. Amen? Yeah. Anybody excited about that? Woo! Yes. He rose from the dead. I mean, we get so used to that, but think about that. He wasn't only mostly dead. He was dead. He was dead. Rose from the dead. After he rose from the dead, there were over 500 witnesses that saw him. And Jesus came back and he saw his disciples. And the craziest thing, in in Matthew 28, it says, and his disciples saw him. It says, um, When the eleven left for Galilee to go to the mountain where Jesus told them to go, when they saw him, they did the most logical thing. They worshipped him. Imagine if there was someone who died and rose from the dead. You would worship that person, I'm pretty sure. But here's the craziest thing. These are the guys that, that walked with him for three years. And it says, and some of them doubted. What? How could you doubt? Remember Thomas? Poor Thomas. He gets such a bad rap. Poor guy. But here it says, now think about this. When someone, say for example, someone is on their deathbed, the things that that person says are significant. Or if you've known anyone, and and I hope this isn't, isn't the case, but if you have ever been in an argument with someone or been in a fight or said something rude to someone and they died, that's, that is really hard to come back from. The last thing that we say to people is really an important thing, isn't it? Which is why I usually end all of my conversations with anybody with love you. Say love you to the people that you love. Don't make them guess. I come from Norwegian heritage, and there's a joke, and it's, uh, did you ever hear about the Norwegian guy who loved his wife so much he actually told her once? He said, if it ever changes, you'll be the first to know. So it says here, these are the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended, or some of the last words, I should say. This is the very end of the book of Matthew. I just want you to listen. Jesus came and told his disciples, and this is what Jesus is coming to tell you right now. Jesus is telling us, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because he's been given all authority on heaven and earth, therefore, remember, if there's ever a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. This is, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples 
to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. We sang that song, I am not alone. You know, there are times when we're going through it, and, and it can be really lonely, right? Sometimes when you're going through something and you think, I, I feel like I'm the only person who's going through this. Or I feel like I'm the only one who's experienced this, but I promise you, you are not alone. That song is actually taken from Isaiah 43. And if you're, ever, if you're going through a hard time, I just encourage you, open that up and, and read that passage, Isaiah chapter 43. It talks about, you know, you're going to go through the waters. They're not going to wash over you. You're going you're to go through the fire, which, incidentally, think about that. What a message. You will not be burned. Actually, I want to pray right now for all the people that are impacted by these fires. You know, our, our very own uh, Amy and Kelly last night, um, they had to pack their car because they live right up against a mountain and the fire was coming down. She said they could watch it and the neighbors were running out of their homes screaming. She said it was surreal. So there are people, real people whose lives are being affected and, and in Oregon now they're checking for, for bodies. It's, it's, it's really tragic. Can we just pray? Well, Father, we just come into your presence, Lord. Lord, we thank you that your promise is, God, that you will be with us till the end of the age. And Jesus, right now, we want to pray for those who are broken and hurting, for the churches, Lord, that have been burned down. Lord, for the homes that have been lost, the lives that have been lost in Oregon, in California, even in Utah County all over, Lord, wherever people are being affected. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would reveal yourself to those who are broken and hurting. We ask, God, you would be glorified even in the midst of such tragedy. Lord, and, and we ask that you would move in our hearts and show us what we can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, that was a little aside. I just, um, I found out about some churches that had literally burned down I mean, imagine. Could 2020 get any weirder? Seriously, it's crazy. So anyway, the last thing that Jesus said was, therefore, go and make disciples. Jesus is really concerned about us as, his, as the believers, as his disciples. He is really concerned about us making disciples. So today I'm going to bring a message to you. It's, the, the concept is not original. The message actually is, but the concept was taken from a friend of mine who pastors a church up in Spokane. His name is Joe. And he, he um, says that they, they, for years their church tried all these different methods. And finally he said they realized that they needed to do what they call the find, tell, bring message. And that's really what drives their church. It completely drives everything that they do in that church. And they, they uh, based it on this. Um, if you turn to John chapter 1, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So if you go to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, 
was one of the two who heard John the Baptist and followed him. He first found his own brother. Okay, he found his own brother and he told him, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. We have found the Savior of the world. And, it said, and it's translated the Christ. And Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. That's where we come up with find, tell, bring. It's a very simple message. Find someone that you love. Find someone who needs Jesus. Find someone who's broken. Tell them that they can be saved. Tell them that they can be reconciled with their maker and bring them. Okay, so we're going to just talk about that a little bit today. Um, my husband, Eric, was the very first person that the, I had the honor of leading to Jesus. He was a tough guy, prideful guy. He was a big man, and he was a pro athlete. Uh, and he, had, he had literally just been injured right, when I met, right after I met him, or right before, I'm sorry, right before I met him. Um, in order to make a living, he, uh, he began selling cocaine, and that was quite lucrative for him. But the Bible does say ill-gotten gain dwindles through the fingers. So he didn't have anything to show for it once I finally met him, unfortunately. But anyway, so, <laughs> but anyway, he sold coke, huge amounts of cocaine. And he was a miserable guy. He was a really miserable guy. I met him through my brother who worked at a guitar store. And I had the honor of being able to lead Eric to Christ which means I found him, I told him, and I brought him. Now, this isn't to toot my own horn. I mean, it was the Lord. The Lord had set this whole thing up. But I had the privilege of being able to participate with what God was doing in his life. And he was a pretty, he was a pretty powerful uh, evangelist, which means evangelist has a, probably has a bad reputation because of TV evangelists. So I'm not going to ask you for any money. So just FYI, you can relax. Um, but TV evangelists are usually just concerned with making money for themselves, or sometimes. I shouldn't say all of them. There are some who are legit. But my husband, Eric, all he ever wanted to do was see people one to Christ in whatever way he could. He would find somebody, he would tell them about Christ, and he would bring them to the Lord, and then he would bring them to church. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Romans 5, 6. Listen to this. It says, while we were still helpless, or some versions say, while we were yet sinners, sin just means uh, not being as perfect as God. Sin means, I heard a good definition yesterday. Sin means doing something that you couldn't invite God into. So whether that's, um, watching something or drinking something or smoking something or thinking something or saying something. It's, if you can't invite the Lord in, that's sin. It's falling short of perfection, falling short of God's glory. But it says here, while we were yet sinners at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I want you to really think about this. While we were sinners, while we were stuck in our sin, before we had cleaned up our proverbial act, Jesus died for us. It wasn't like Jesus went, wow, they're just, they're just living right. They're doing some clean living. I think I'm going to die for them. Jesus looked down and saw 
We were caught. We were trapped. Just like Jason was talking, we were trapped in addiction. We were trapped in sin. We were trapped in our own pride and lust and all of this. And while we were still sinning, Jesus died for us. The offer for forgiveness is is always available. Did you know you can be forgiven for everything, past, present, and future? You can be forgiven. That's why Jesus Christ went to the cross. This is what the good news is. But here it says, while we were still sinners, at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. I want to say this to those of you who name the name of Jesus Christ. Our job is not to be the moral police, okay? We are not to stand back and look at other people and go, those guys are sinners. What are we called to do? Anybody know? Love. We are called to love. And I hate to tell you this, but some of you, I'm going to talk to the Democrats now. She went there. <laughs> no, I, am, I, am not, I don't talk about politics, but I'm going to just say this, two things. I'm going to say these two things. Democrats, you might be surprised when you get to heaven to learn that there are some Republicans there. God might even let some Republicans in. And Republicans, if I can talk to you, You might be surprised when you get to heaven and find out there's some Democrats in heaven. Seriously. Seriously. I don't mean to rock your world. But I do want to say this. If you are more defined by your political affiliation than the fact that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to change that. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Okay, you guys, you're encouraging me. I'm going to go there. Stop with the political ranting on Facebook. Are you winning anybody to Jesus? Are you winning anybody to Jesus? With your ranting? Are you? Why? Why are you doing this? I'm, I was going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. Win people to Jesus. Jesus is coming back soon. He's going to come like a thief in the night. We're not going to know. And do you really want to be sitting there on Facebook? I'm not Joe Biden. I'm Donald Trump. Really? That's what you want to be fixing your eyes on? You want to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He is the one you fix your eyes on. Uh-oh. I offended some. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I do want to say, do not make politics your religion, okay? Jesus Christ is the king of the universe. He's in charge. He's got it under control. It looks like he doesn't. I realize that. But Jesus Christ has it under control. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us, okay? We're not to stand there and go, oh, they're homosexuals. So therefore, we can shun them. Sorry, Jesus died for all of us. Okay? Am I stepping on anybody's toes? 
you wouldn't admit it if I was. <laughs> we are not called to be the moral police. It, let, me, l- l- let me tell you, you're, sinners sin, okay? That's what they do. It's on their resume. Yes, we all sin too. The saints, we sin too. But the only difference, the only difference, we're forgiven and those who haven't received Jesus Christ and the, and the sacrifice he offered on the cross, those people are not forgiven. The only difference, we all sin. Every single one of us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay, so find someone. Anybody know anyone in their life who is not, um, is broken? Like Jason and Sarah were broken. Anybody? Anybody? You don't know anybody that's broken? Wow. I'm going to hang out with you. (laughs) Come on, really, seriously. Anybody know anyone in their life who's broken? Okay, including us. Okay. But this is a fact. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, including us and including the people that you raised your hands on account of. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. And we have the answer. I want to ask you this question. If you had a neighbor and they came and they sat down in your house and they're telling you, yeah, I have, I have terminal cancer. And you have the cure for cancer, would you just sit there and go, oh, I'm kind of uncomfortable telling them? Or, oh, I don't want to offend them, so I'm not going to say anything. No. If you had the cure for cancer and your neighbor had cancer, you would tell them that you had the cure. And guess what? Christians, disciples of Jesus, have the cure for sin. And there is going to be a judgment day. I know this is not a popular message, but we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There is going to be judgment. And I'm sorry to say, but it's not about our comfort. You know, I, I want to tell you a story. There was a, and I, I've told this story before, but there was a time where I was, um, I was on a flight on the way to New York from Salt Lake and Um, there were two men sitting in front of me and they were, you know, making out. And and the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to tell the younger one that I love him. And I I was kind of like, why don't you tell him? (laughs) (laughs) So I just literally the entire time on this flight, I was so uncomfortable. I was like, oh, okay, I have to... And then I just kind of, you know, the, I did the, the Gideon thing where I just kind of, you know, laid a fleece before the Lord. And I said, okay, Lord, if I have an opportunity, if he's by himself, not with the other one, if it's just him, I will tell him that you love him. So sure enough, we get to the baggage claim at Heathrow Airport. Guess who's standing all by himself, surrounded by luggage? No one even near him. It was the younger one. So I went over to him very awkwardly. And I was like, um... Mm. Hey, so, is this your first time in New York? I'm like totally avoiding, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm so excited. And he starts talking and I was like, okay, um, 
I have to tell you something. And I go, I know this is going to sound really crazy. So, but I just need to do this. I just need to tell you that Jesus loves you. And immediately he started to cry. And he told me that the night before, he had been telling a friend of his that if he didn't have evidence that there was a God, he was going to end his own life. And so I was kind of relieved that I had told him. Because what had happened was he had been rejected by a religious group. They had shunned him. And so I came to tell him, Jesus loves you. And I don't know what ended up happening to him, but I got to, I got to put my hand on his shoulder. I prayed over him. I prayed for him to receive Christ into his life. I prayed that he would receive the, the forgiveness that Jesus offered on the cross. And I was very relieved that I had done that. So find somebody who needs Jesus and then tell them. This is the story in um, John chapter 4 of the woman at the well. It's a long story, and I can't go into the whole thing, but I just want to say this. Jesus did all these amazing things with this woman. He told her all these amazing things like that she, she, he would have never known, except for he was God. And it says, John chapter 4, verse 28, says, The woman left her water jar. She went into town, and she did what? Told the people... Come and see. There's a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She went, she found her people. She told them that she had met the Messiah and she brought her people to Jesus. This is, this is amazing. This is what we're called to do. And I am not going to tell you that it's not a little scary because you might be rejected I've been rejected many times telling people they think I'm a religious fanatic, you know, they think I'm crazy, which, I mean, I am a little bit, but I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with me telling them the gospel. So it says here in Ephesians 6, 19, this is Paul the Apostle, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the guy who was Saul of Tarsus, the religious, um, perfect Jew. He was the perfect man, uh, religiously speaking, who got knocked off his horse and became uh, Paul the apostle. He says, he says this in Ephesians 6, 19. This is Paul. He's saying, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that is the good news, that, that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Now, if Paul the apostle needs some prayer, how much more do we? And we are going to, at the end, we are going to pray together and um, pray for boldness. I just want to tell you, um, you know, I, I think sometimes we get so separated from people that are not... Christians are not religious, that we, we lose touch and we don't kind of know how to talk to them. We use weird terms, you know? I mean, so I just want to say, if, if you have someone in mind and you're inspired and you're thinking, I want to tell them about Jesus, don't come up to someone and go, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? <laughs> I mean, that's horrible. What does that mean? 
I mean, it means something to those of us who understand its deeper meaning, but to somebody, to your barista at Starbucks, I mean, you don't, you know, it's your little Americano. Hey, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Be real. Tell people your story. Nobody can argue with your story. Be able to tell your story in three minutes of how you came to Jesus, of how Jesus set you free from addiction and Jesus set you free from a life of sin. Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? How about this one? Oh, good morning. It's so good to be with the body. I mean... Imagine this like floating head, just, oh, there I am. Now I'm with the body. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Don't speak Christianese, okay? Talk to them on a level. There's a a dear friend of mine who, um, he's a big tough guy, and he works with a bunch of tough guys, a bunch of sinners. He works with these guys, and he is loving these guys. And they they started going out for breakfast together. And before breakfast, he said, all right, we're going to thank God for this food. So he started praying over the food. And at first, they were kind of all really uncomfortable. He told me the story that one day he, they all got their food. He had He was called away from the table. And when he came back to the table, they were all sitting there waiting for him. All these tough guys. And he's like, why aren't you guys eating? They're like, we're waiting for you to do that thing you do. (laughs) Isn't that adorable? He would hate it if he knew that I was calling him adorable. But isn't that the way God wants us to talk to people? He wants us to just be ourselves. You don't have to try to be somebody else. Just be fully who you are and tell them. And one other way, if you're really uncomfortable being able to tell people, I'll tell you one of, the, one of the best ways you can win your way into someone's heart to be able to share Jesus is if they start opening up and telling you their problems or telling you what they're going through, just say, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? Now, you might be uncomfortable with this, which I, which I understand. Some people are uncomfortable praying out loud. But when you ask someone, can I pray for you? Usually they're like, oh, yeah, sure, fine. And you're like, no, 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 right now. <laughs> I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to pray over you. That sounds creepy, but I mean, really, it's important to do it right then because you can share Jesus. We had that happen. A, a dog tried to rip off my son's scalp when he was six, year old, six years old, and the surgeon, before he went in to do the surgery, our church little church plant team was there, and we asked this, this doctor, we said, could we, could we pray for you? And he's like, yeah, sure, and he starts walking away, and my husband's like, no, 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 no. We want to pray for you, so like 12 of us put our hands on this doctor, and we prayed over him. And then I went in there two weeks later for the follow-up appointment, and I said, hey, so tell me a story. You're, he, he just so happened to be a craniofacial pediatric reconstructive surgeon, just coincidentally. So I went in two weeks later and was sitting there, and I said, so tell me some stories. Tell me, like, you know, I, I love hearing people's stories. And so I said, tell me, you know, what is it like in your, in your profession? What's the weirdest thing that you've ever experienced or the most memorable? He goes, it's a time when 12 people put their hands on me and prayed for me before I went into surgery. It made an impression on this guy. And you would know him because he's on the billboards on the I-15 
I mean, this guy's pretty famous. So find somebody that needs Jesus and tell them. If you can't tell them just what the gospel is, pray over them. Ask them if they'll let you pray. Most people will let you pray for them. They might not want you touching them, so don't do that if they don't want you to. But do. Offer to pray for people. I cannot tell you how many people I have been able to pray over, and I pray the gospel. I pray that they would come to understand their need and that they would know that they they can have forgiveness, that Jesus went to the cross for their sins. You can do it. You can You can weave it in there or weave it in your story if you're telling your story. Okay, I need to move on. I want to say the last thing is bring. So find someone who needs Jesus. Tell them the truth. Tell them the good news and bring them. Bring them to Jesus if you can. Bring them right to Christ. If if you're uncomfortable, then bring them to church because I will always, every single time we get together, I always share the gospel. I always share the good news because I don't know where people stand with the Lord. But the good news is, we were all sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ went to the cross and paid the price for our sins so that we could be reconciled with our maker. That's the good news. Jesus Christ died to save sinners. John chapter 17, verse 25. This is Jesus Right before he was crucified, he's praying to the Father. He says, Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. You see this? The world has not known you. I'm telling you, your neighbors don't know Jesus. Your coworkers don't know Jesus. The people that work in the grocery store where you shop don't know Jesus, and they need to know Jesus. They need to know Jesus because there is a hell There is hell. I know there's a popular myth going around that a loving God would never send anyone to hell, and he actually doesn't. People send themselves there by refusing Christ, refusing to humble themselves. Jesus says, I have made your name known to them, and I will continue to make it known. We need to make his name known too. We cannot be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. It says, so that the love you you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. We're going to start a new series in October called the Love Series. We're going to talk about what does the Bible say about love? I mean, it's throughout. It's, It's what God does. It's what God is. But I just want to say, find somebody who needs the Lord, tell them, and bring them. If you can't bring them to church, bring them into your life. There is a woman who, I've told this story so many times, and she's not here today, so I can't embarrass her, but um, she came up to me years ago. When we first got into this building, she came up to me and she said, hi, my name is Jenny, and I was raised polygamous, and I'm wondering, is this a safe church for me to bring my polygamous friends and family? And I was like, um, okay, your, your name is Jenny, then what? And I realized at that point, this was an opportunity for me to be able to bring her into my life. And I just began to, to befriend her, just invited her over to hang out, just to be a part of my life. And she's still a part of my life. She's one of my dearest friends, and we share grandbabies, so we're stuck. 
but bring someone into your life. You know, you don't have to just hang out with Christians. Maybe you need to get out of your, out of your little bubble. Meet some people that don't know him. Hang out with some people who don't know him. Tell them about Jesus and bring them into your life. Um, I'd like you to stand at this point, and I, I would like right now, you all raised your hand, well, most of you raised your hand. You know someone who's broken. You know somebody who's desperate, somebody maybe who's addicted or um, far from God. Maybe they're bitter at God. Maybe they're bitter because of some negative experience they've had at church. I just want you right now, on, on three, I want you to name the person's name. If it's not the person right next to you. But I want you to name the name of the person that you have the burden for. And I want you to call out to God and ask the Lord to give you an opportunity with that person to tell them, find someone you love, find someone you care about, find someone you see. Okay? I'm going to say three. Say it quietly if it's the person next to you, okay? So I want you to say the name of the person that you're hoping to be able to share the Lord with, okay? Is that clear? Ready? One, two, three. Okay, Jesus heard you. Can we do this? Can we find someone? Can we tell them that there's hope? Can we tell them that they don't have to live stuck, that they can be set free? And can we bring them to church or bring them to Jesus or bring them into our lives? Can we do that? What else are we doing? Why else are we here? So let's pray. Well, Father God, uh, we just surrender to you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you that you are good. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful. You are the king of the universe. Lord, that you know all things. You know every heart. Lord, you know the people that you have called by name, the people you have chosen. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us the honor and the privilege to partner with you in what you're doing in the lives of people like Jason and Sarah. Lord, that you're giving us opportunities Lord. God, and I know right now, Lord, there are so many people that are so broken, so hurting from the coronavirus, Lord, and from economics and just from relationships and addiction and all of it. Lord, make us bold like Paul, the apostle. Lord, help us to boldly proclaim the truth as we ought to as we ought, Lord. Let us be faithful, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus, pour out your spirit right now in this place. Pour out your spirit on each and every person who names the name of Jesus Christ. Give us opportunities, Lord, to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for those who don't know you, Lord, right now, I ask in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit. Lord, it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. It is your love that draws. It's not your anger. It's not your wrath, Lord. It's your kindness and your love. And I pray for those who don't know you yet, today would be the day. I ask, Lord, that you would move in their hearts. 
draw them to you. Is there anybody in here right now? You, you want to just surrender your life to Jesus. You've heard the message of, of the good news. Is there anybody here? Just raise your hand. Yeah, amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Yeah, we'd love to pray with you after this. Come, come forward and we'll pray with you. Anybody else? Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, we bless you, Lord. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that your love endures forever. I pray for your blessings to be on all these people here and all the people that are watching online. And we just, we worship your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to say goodbye to those of you who are online. We're sorry that you're not here for the special surprise, but for those of you who are here, you can go ahead and be seated. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday online. Amen.